Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to another episode of Yo, What the Hell, uh, a show where two friends get together each week and talk about things that they have found interesting. Hi again, my name is Bravo this week, and I am joined by my co-host. Sorry, I had a bit of difficulty unmuting myself, but I'm Whiskey! Nice, and uh, we are joined again by the man himself, Mr. Toasty Producer. Uh, it was lonely and chaos last week, so this is nice. It, it really was. Like, like we we only had two thirds of the power group here, and yep. man, was it chaos. Yeah, I mean, the Triforce was not full. It was a Biforce. A Biforce. I I love it. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be our band name. We'll just be Biforce. Oh, that that's true. Or, oh man. We we could also get like a little shirt that says that has like the logo on it that says like it's not a it's a triforce not a biforce, that could be kind of fun, kind of confusing but kind of fun. I mean, yeah, true, true. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, this week we're gonna be talking about uh, women in the Russian Revolution. Uh, but first, let us do some catching up. How was your week, whiskey? Mine, mine was mine was okay. Um, work was boring. It's late at night, so that's always fun. And um, oh, I, I discovered a lot of fun things this week. So I played with wines, and particularly we tried a type of wine because, as we all know, I'm doing Washington research, and that motherfucker drank a lot of wine. Um, not only did he drink a lot of wine, he drank a specific kind of wine called Madeira which is a fortified port wine from Portugal. And I got that stuff at home. And it is a delightful little dessert wine. Not too dark, not too light, also not too fucking sweet, like most little rosés and whatever those frou-frou wines that gals like to drink nowadays. I mean, as someone who knows nothing about wine, like what, what is it fortified with? Does it have what plants crave? Oh, yeah, and that's brandy. I'm pretty sure it's brandy, boy. <laughs> the plants crave the brandy. They soak it up. <laughs> <laughs> what else? That sounds huh? fun. But that was basically my week. Otherwise, it was just like, I don't know, reading about G-dubs, um, comic books, and... Um, I'm almost done with I'm almost done with the third part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. That's fun. Nice. nice. Oh, oh, and Lupin the Third had a re-release. Okay, this is actually really fun, and no one else is going to care about me. One? Oh no, 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 no. So there in 2012, there was a Lupin the Third like series called the Woman Called Fujiko Mine. It was only printed one time on Blu-ray and only shown a few times, and it has been on any streaming in years. And they finally put it back out on Blu-ray. And I got my grubby hands on it. And I am super fucking excited to like power through all 13 episodes in like a day very soon. That's Man, cool. I'm going to break the wall that, I, that I'm not breaking. But 
Um, I just got a wonderful message from our producer that the second season of Megalobox is coming out. And I also didn't know there was a second season. I've just seen the first season. And it is. No spoilers, please. I just started. I'm that. not spoiling it for you. I'm just saying it's the. Megalobox is the greatest late 90s, early 2000s anime that was never made. <laughs> like it fits in that, it shoehorned perfectly in that era with Bebop or Trigun or whenever they had Helsing, all these like older boy and young men anime and manga. And it's beautiful. And the ending, the ending harkens back in my mind to like Hong Kong cinema. And I fucking love that ending, the credits rolling, and how it just looks like a beautiful old street lights going down. It, it's just a it's a work of art that doesn't exist anymore. Because how often do you get to hear the like the Japanese tell a wonderful story about some curmudgeony like piece of shit regular man doing something as mundane as winning a boxing tournament? It's beautiful. It's fucking just beautiful. I really enjoyed Megalobox. I hope that you, um, when you get through it, enjoy it as much as myself and what looks like our producer does. Yeah, no, I mean, I started it on uh, his recommendation that we were, like, either playing Smash or hunting some monsties. Uh, <laughs> but then I, I started it, and, like, that that night, and it is pretty good. I think I'm on, like, episode four or five. Like, he's fighting his way into the tournament and all that, and, like... It's such a like well done show. Like I was immediately hooked. I, I I really like it. It is so good, man. It literally it it, it makes me kind of think of like like also like I don't know if your parents watched it, but my dad watched a shit ton of boxing in the nineties and early two thousands. So it's also like kind of like gives you nice warm dad fuzzies when they're being nice and like watching this thing and they're not yelling at you and they're just like watch this thing with me, son. It's like and it's a lot like that. So it's like just beautiful. But no, like, should... like that's fair. I mean, like I don't know. Like my bro, older brother watched a lot of boxing. My like we always kind of had it on for like you know big fights like Mike Tyson. But it's not like I feel like went out of their way to search for boxing. But I can appreciate the sentiment that you get watching it. That 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 sounds really nice, uh, and I'm absolutely here for it, dog. <laughs> It's pretty fun. All right, buddy. But well, how was your week? Because I was just what I just said. <laughs> I mean, as mentioned, uh, started Megalobox, which is, which is good. You should watch it if that's your thing. Um, I don't know. I really like sports anime. Um, I mentioned this to Toasty Producer, but like Mix, the Meisei story. We mentioned it in like one of our very first episodes. Um but God, that show was good because the ending just made me big mad. Just baseball anime. And if you like baseball, like I, I recommend that. Uh, but anyway, um, let's see what else. Uh, the new Monster Hunter Rise demo came out. So producer and I have been hunting. Uh, the new Monster dropped and it's cray cray. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, no, it's super fun. Uh, we are ridiculously hyped. Uh, less than two weeks for the game. I know my pre-order is posting next Friday, and the game comes out the following Friday. Buddy, uh, you, so have, you have a lot of work. Yeah, um, I, I, I mentioned this off-air, but I need to get a bunch of homework done before I can 
fully enjoy Monster Hunter. I have a, like two big ass assignments due, like right before. You poor little lad. Monster like, Hunter drops. Yeah, uh, it'll be fine. I'll get it done. Like either that or I drop out of school and just play Monster Hunter. Um, but let's see. Uh, it, it is currently snowing right now, so I, I you know, enjoying that. Going to be snowed in. Uh, perfect time to do homework, I guess. Um, Man. I'm so envious of you, as we discussed off-air. Like, it was so hot and muggy here. It was not fun. 70 is too much. Um, our ancestors never should have left our comfortable little island. We should have just killed the kings and the royals then, and, you know, they fucked up. They fucked up bringing yeah. us to this hot jungle world. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, and then real quick, we uh, wrapped up our D&D campaign, so that was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. I didn't die, uh, and that was my goal, which, for a first time playing, like I feel like that is a very good goal. Good on you. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, it did open up some avenues for maybe playing a different character next time, but I don't know. Maybe Elongated Muskrat will ride again uh and who knows his 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 future is uh fairly bright all things considered good it sounds like you should make him like you know like a shitty um spaghetti western character at this point just uh, turn left and go to the right in the sunset mode mm. i mean you joke but i did post a gif of a motorcycle gang all riding motorcycles in our discord chat and i was like the homies riding off into the sunset so like i will screenshot it and send it to you as proof but uh <laughs> yeah no that is um that's about the gist of what i have done this whole week that's about it uh we should probably move on to uh some news yeah our oh, news story oh boy this is uh this is like, and pardon use the phrase, but this does indeed hit a bit too close to home, uh, as all three of us have graduated from Norman High School. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. I forget that. <laughs> Man, it's, it's just, it's obnoxious, too, because it's like, really, we're going to do this? We're, we're going to do this, Mr. Man? Yeah, and just some background for those I'm not in the know. Um, uh, during the ladies' high school basketball tournament, like the state finals, um, on a hot mic, one of the announcers uh, decided to drop a racial slur in response to. No, no. See, you're being too nice. He he decided to drop the racial slur, and that's true. He that's... he said he said the end bomb, um, like a worthless son of a bitch. During the I national anthem that all the conservatives want to like blow each other over, so the anthem was going on, and this man decided to say the N bomb because a bunch of little girls were kneeling during the fucking anthem, like a bunch of little girls, like nice, cute little girls playing a basketball game, and this motherfucker is literally going to be the like highest level and order of shit baggery. I have nothing good to say. No, yeah, and it's not great. It's there's there's no place for that. I mean, 
even if you weren't on a hot mic, like shit, the only reason he got caught is because he was on a hot mic. Like that hadn't been recording. Like no one would have known. And that's bad too. Like that has no place in our society. Well, like it just further goes to show like a lot of people I've seen online are acting like this is just an Oklahoma thing. And it's not, it's not to get over it. This is a white people. This is a white people thing. It happens in fucking Oregon just as much as it happens in fucking New York City. Not state, but city. And yeah, it happens here. Yeah, fucking here. Like, it is that old white people are complacent with their lot in society, and the they like looking down on somebody, and they like doing it in the most disgusting way they possibly can, which is by choosing to look down on people due to a skin color. And it's disgusting, it's obnoxious, it's really fucking old. But furthermore, and for our, I think what our point is, is it's really annoying when the coast and the coastal states folks like to shit on the center of the country for stuff like this happening here. When it's like, you motherfuckers have Nazis in Oregon and California. I don't want to hear about it. This is bad. What I do want to hear about is why are old white people still being awful? And why are some young white people defending them? Exactly. And I mean, to make, you know, a happy little ending on this shit story, <laughs> they actually ended up winning the national or the, st- the state title, excuse me. So, boom, back to back state champs. Yeah, which is fun. Like, I hope those little girls had a great day because, like, it probably was. Like, they, win th- they won that. They were all, like, probably excited and adorable little children. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. It's it's good. Like, it's not often that you get to be proud of your high school, um, especially because we're so far removed from it. I mean, oh god, yeah, we are so far removed from high school. Like, I feel like an old man meeting like twenty year olds now. Oh, I know. I know. Like old as fucking dick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. I'm trying to pull up the abortion. Okay. And, of course, the Oklahoma is not done with embarrassing itself either because our next and only other news story is our wonderful state Senate panel. They decided to approve four abortion bills. And they're wonderful. They're a bit insane. And it's apparently a trigger bill in order to challenge the Roe versus Wade precedent from 1973. Which, of course, it is, because why would we not do something like that? Oh, exactly. Oh, here's, like, here's another fun bill, too. They also, see, I didn't realize it went this much further until, like, just re looking over this again. Um, they decided that it would make a felony to perform an abortion punishable up to 10 years. And I'm pretty sure this is the bill that it does that if you're not a doctor. So I know for a long time, nurses were administrating and giving out the beautiful little pills that get rid of oopsie daisies. And it's now a bill that, and a thing that where they can't do that. And it's almost identical to the insanity that Arkansas did. So now we get to hold hands and just lunacy, which is fun. Real fucking fun. Yeah, no, um, 
sometimes I hate being from Oklahoma. Like, not to make this about me, uh, but yeah, it's really, really, really shitty. Like, let women have the choice to do what they want with their bodies. Like, why is it that hard? Like, we don't, we don't need men to make that decision for them because that's what this is. It's just a whole bunch of dudes just trying to think that they're, you know, able to decide what other people do. It's pretty fucking shitty. Oh my gosh. So looking at it further, I didn't realize this and I'm extremely frustrated. It even goes further to say that you can't even abort in the case of rape and incest, which is so fucking painful because unless it threatens the lady's life, it doesn't fucking matter. Nothing fucking matters. These weird fucking nihilists. Uh, man, this, this like, I don't know. This is, this is disappointing. It makes me upset. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that might attack you about this too. Cause I, I feel like part of the problem with this shit is that they keep doing this shit and then people keep trying to move away instead of in like from here yeah, because of shit like that. And it perpetuates and causes a like endless cycle of shittiness. Oh, definitely. Uh, no. Yeah. I fully agree with that. Like I'm not attacked. I would like to move back in some capacity as well. Maybe because that's like, how you think about change. Oklahoma's like bizarre because it's having what I like to think of as like I personally think of as a brain drain that I feel like states like Oklahoma have where you produce all these people and generally they're they get educated or something and they're generally more like they're at least Democrats and they get discouraged about something and they move. And by doing so, it makes the state compoundedly worse it makes the state compoundedly worse because all these people fucking, they, in our case, they move to Texas and Colorado. Sometimes they go to, you know, the far-flung places like California or New York. But a lot of times it's just Denver and one of the Texas cities. And what I feel like it does is it makes the shit state progressively shittier because for every person that's like the producer and I who lives here, there are like three people who are being like, nah, I'm getting out of this. I mean, I get it if you're moving because you have, there's a job. Like if you're moving because you're in a certain industry and there's a job in Houston or like LA, good on you. No one can shit on you for that. That's like, you need to move. Those jobs shouldn't only be in those places because that's a whole nother ecological shit show of LA and the amount of jobs that are in Southern California and the desert states and who the fuck builds cities and deserts? Come on, Phoenix. What the fuck's wrong with you? But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's really unfortunate that this happens, and I feel like it's really made the center of the country worse than it needs to be because instead of being well-balanced, it progressively gets, like, more and more unbalanced. No, yeah, I definitely agree uh, with that. Like, I don't know. Whenever I was younger, I kind of didn't realize, like, I didn't understand, like, why my dad was not inclined to leave Oklahoma because it's so backwards. And he's like, it's, you know, now that I'm older, I realize he's like, 
you know, oh, like, this is my home, too. Like, I want to fight to make it better than it, you know. Because I, cause, you know, I know it can be better. Uh, so might as well try and stay and fight. Like, I can definitely respect that mentality for sure. Yeah, I mean, why should people have to move? Because the legislator is dumb as shit and does really dumb things and also has a ridiculous thing like a fucking term limit. Like, gosh, state legislators and term limits. That's a that's another problem. That's a whole other problem that we could do a whole episode about of our opinions on term limits in politics. I'm sure they're probably all different. And if they're not, I will be amazed. Because, like, Oklahoma has some fun problems. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Maybe we should have led with the racism. Instead of the anti-abortion stuff. It's all bad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, It's sad. The racism story had, like, a happy ending. That was like, hey, yeah! Like, there was a bright spot, but the, the abortion story is just like, no, you get nothing. You get nothing good or beneficial for your life. Here is just depression stupidness. Actually, yeah. no, this this makes me think. The good thing, the only good thing about this is Oklahoma does have a term limit. So at least all these assholes who voted for it won't have jobs in the legislature in the next 10 years. Yeah. That's, you know, hey, way to find a silver lining. Yay. I hope at and, least a few of them get grandchildren they don't want. Uh, no, because we all know that wealthy, well-connected people, like, these laws don't affect them. They have ways. It's fine. That's true, but occasionally some of them, like, some of their children will, like, slumming it. And they'll hook up with someone they shouldn't. And it'll be, it'll be beautiful. They'll have a poor baby. Or they'll have a poor son-in-law or daughter-in-law. I'm sure they'll fucking love that. Actually, no, no, I'm going to go further. I hope that at least a few of those people have to deal with having an interracial grandchild. I'm sure that'll make them super comfortable. Like, be better. Deal with your beautiful grandchild, you piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, just to continue this depression train, let's uh, keep rolling. Choo, we're, we're choo. <laughs> uh, the saddest train that is now leaving the station. <laughs> Man, I, man, I wish I, oh, I should have known we were doing this bit. If I got, I got to get a whistle now. So this is stupid. <laughs> I have, I have tra- a train whistle somewhere. It's not at this house. I think it's at, at my mother's ca- casa. And man, if I could just get the family train whistle, that'd be a great bit whistle to have. Every time we said like something about train, just like, we'd have to like shoehorn it in. So it like, you know, do it like every episode. Even oh, where it's not warranted. Like. <laughs> oh, just do a stupid thing. Like, yep. <laughs> Trains. But, uh, yeah. Let's uh, move on to our main topic, which is Women of the Russian Revolution. Hooray. Hey, it'll be fun. It'll be depressing, too, though. Don't get happy. Yeah. Though. No, that's... Yeah. That was the whole point of the bit. All right. So, the Russian Revolution... We're going to blitz this. We're not doing the whole revolution, as we said. We're just doing a bit, a tiny portion, and we're just doing a skimming. 
Um, we're going to try to only or mostly talk about women in the revolution and their quote unquote advancements of Soviet society due to enduring the revolution. Please enjoy. This might suck. We're sorry in advance. Whoopsie daisy. Way to undersell it. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping it'll be. See, actually, it's more of like we let's set the bar so low on this that maybe when it comes up, it'll be all right. Touche. Okay. And before we go on, we're going to do some sources. Um, our main sources are JSTOR and Wikipedia. Um, I found a few JSTOR articles like that were just out there. And after doing this, I realized that I hate to do this, but I might have to pay for JSTOR because I really like JSTOR and I think it's a great like source finder yeah. for any I historical topic. Oh, I know. It's so great. But like I've looked into it. If I join the Alumni Association of OU, I can get access to JSTOR only at OU's libraries and through their Wi-Fi. So it might behoove oh, me oh. to pay for it. I just don't know if I want to do it because it costs some pr a pretty penny for a year. It's an affordable pretty penny, but it's still like one that's like, man, that's some money. What, like a like hundred something, two hundred something? It's it's two. Mm -hmm. But well, let's go on from here. So those are our main sources: JSTOR, Wikipedia. It was a lazy, hard week, folks. What can you do? Can't read a book for everything. The provisional government officially took took power from the czarist regime in the February Revolution during 1917. The Bolsheviks during this power grab remembered the women, so to speak, unlike America's founders. Yeah, fuck you guys. Therefore, soon after this change of power, new laws were enacted, giving more access to Things such as divorce, abortion, decriminalization of homosexuality, and generally things that were more favorable legally for women and or minorities. Which there's a lot of them in um, the Soviet sphere. Like you might not realize it because it's all just different white people. But there's a lot of weird white people minorities in that region of the world. Holy shit. The key phrase, though, is legal view. We all know how country folk can be anywhere, anytime. It's not always good. In America, it's, you know, we don't like Mexicans or black folk here. In Russia, it might be we don't like Jews or Chechnyans here. It's fucking weird. It's awful. I don't understand majorities and minority thing, like problems. I don't understand why majorities are like this. And unfortunately, because of those things and others, these reforms would only last about 10 years because Comrade Stalin had to come in and roll back many of them in the late 20s and early 30s. Yeah, of course he did. Because fucking Stalin. Traditionally, women in the Russian Empire were banned from most spheres of life that weren't what you would think of as women's fears, like cooking, dealing with children, maybe taking care of old folks. They definitely weren't allowed in universities, the law, the workplace. Not at least 
until the breakdown of Russian society that occurred during World War One, when everything fell apart, they couldn't hold it together. Fun, terrifying apocalyptic took place. You see, the Russian Revolution wasn't prepared for the massive mobilization of war that was World War One. And frankly, to have anything work, they had to use women to replace the male workforce. And this wasn't like using women, oh, thank you very much for your service kind of using women. They didn't get like any praise. They didn't get Rosie the Riveter. They didn't get told that you're helping propel the society to work forward. Nah, they were just kind of like used up and then bada boom. Back to lady things. None of this for you. Women being used up like like tissues, essentially, helped set the stage for feminists in the leftist spheres to force the Bolsheviks after the revolution into dealing with them in a more fair manner. Now, getting all of its governmental ducks in a row took some time, and it wouldn't be until October of 1918 that the Bolsheviks were able to set up liberalized laws which the feminist block of the revolution pushed for these laws included things such as abortion divorce reforms the decriminalization of homosexuality which is fucking bizarre like I still even though I know historically these things were it's absolutely bizarre and alien to me that homosexuality was criminalized in basically all of Europe like, not just, like, frowned upon, which I, I, I understand more that, it, like, be frowned upon, but criminalized. This fucking blows my mind. I forget what year it was, but I know the British didn't decriminalize it until, like, something stupid, like the 60s or something, which is mind-blowing. Going on, though, they also legalized um, cohabitation. So that's kind of cool. You get the fuck out of wedlock, and it's cool by the government. That's 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 nice. Uh, the whole thought of this was maybe that by placing by doing all these things, it would place women on a more equal footing to men and they'd be more like the same citizens as instead of being a weird second class of citizenry. Naturally, though, many marriages ended after this, which I get like maybe you're tired of Gregorio beating the shit out of you and decide, yeah, fuck this guy. I'm going to go live with my sister in fucking St. Petersburg. So, yeah. Lots of marriages broken up. Um, More children are born out of wedlock. And the birth rate, in general, declined. And I believe that these things are the main reason that we would see Comrade Stalin in the 30s, and particularly by 1936, reverse these laws. Because if the birth rate's not high, the Red Army doesn't grow. If the Red Army doesn't grow, Stalin's not a happy boy. Yeah, and uh, backing up a bit, uh, in 1919, the government set up the uh, uh, Zenotadel. Uh, I probably butchered that. Uh, which was a department focused on exclusively women and their role in society. Uh, the department was set up by Alexandra Kolontai uh, and Anessa Armand, uh, with the support of other prominent feminists of the time, of course. Uh, the women utilized this department to improve the lives of working-class women through education and legal enforcement. 
Also, during this time period, there was an attempt to pay housewives an actual salary for both the moral aspect and the ability for them to participate, you know, within the economy. Uh, and it's also just, like, the right thing to do. Uh, it's just, you know, pay people for their work. It's not that hard. The earlier mentioned social reforms, which focused directly on women, were directly crafted and influenced by this department. And, you know, they actually persuaded Soviets to legalize abortion in November of 1920. Uh, this was the first time in history that any nation, you know, offered legal abortion. Uh, and the Romans had a plan for that. Yeah, and I, I don't think it kind of counts because, like, I'm going to jump in here and talk about the funky plant. Um, because the Romans just had this thing that used to just grow around. And it would grow around the Mediterranean. And I forget what it's called, but it was a plant that we are very sure of from a historical manner. And historians are very sure of that induced abortions. Like you would make, I don't know if it's tea or I assume it was a tea that you made with this and you would drink it. And bada bing, bada boom, no more baby problem. The issue, though, is that the Romans over-farmed and over-harvest this fucking plant, and they used it out of existence. Which is, like, so unfortunate. How much more easy would society be if we had this plant, which... It looks like we were just... Yeah, silphium. If we had silphium lying around, I could just, like... Oopsie daisy, go to CVS and pick up a vial of silphium. Life would be so much simpler, and we probably wouldn't have a weird societal like stigma against abortion if you know the Victorian English were being like, "Oh yes, here's some silphium for your trouble, miss." Blah blah blah. The queen. But yeah, so uh, that was that was plant talk. Uh, of course, while this department was successfully balancing power between the sexes, uh, Uncle Joe. Papa Stalin, uh, you know, he still closed it down in 1930. Uh, probably something to do with, you know, ladies and failing birth rates. Uh, uh, the official reason for the closure was that the uh, Zenotidel uh, was that women's problems had all been solved by the elimination of property and seizing the means of production, which, if that's not a re- ringing endorsement for communism, like, it just solves all the problems. There is no need for special office when everyone is equal under the law comrade exactly comrade when when everyone can be equally shot or made miserable by your weird authoritarian country then there's no need there's just no need for women's problems there's no women's problems there's no women's business Eh, no big deal but man like how nice would it be if we just paid stay-at-home moms like that would be kind of cool i don't know why america i mean we can't do anything but i don't know why that's not floating around like hey let's just let's just give moms a permanent salary because why fucking not socialism oh i know but you know roads aren't and the fire department's not and hospitals aren't exactly no i mean yeah paying paying a stay-at-home parent like a salary is good for the economy because guess who has more money to spend exactly you know, that, that's something that, like, speaking of good for the economy, that I never understand. People go, like, that's socialism. It's bad for the economy, blah, blah, blah. How is it bad for the economy? Like, the economy and markets have nothing to do with, like, how the economy and markets are ran. Like, n- no one or very few people on, the, on like, in the socialist 
and anarchist sphere want to get rid of markets. They just want to get rid of the way things are owned and the way the economy is arranged, you dumb fuckheads. Exactly. So we've done our brief discussion about the about the revolution and the creation and oh what the Zintadel did. And now we're gonna pivot into looking just really briefly at three different revolutionary women in the oh shit show that was the Bolshevik Revolution. And we'll start with Alexandra Kolontai. And Alexandra Kolontai was a Marxist theorist who, like many high-ranking members of the early Soviet Union, spent about a decade before 1917 exiled in Western Europe. She was the daughter of a Ukrainian military man and... I believe a Finnish royal esque woman. That was kind of murky. And this future revolutionary, though, spent much of her childhood doing very unladylike things, such as learning Finnish from the peasant house workers and reading about history and philosophies. Because that, that's what boys do. Boys talk to the peasants. Little girls don't talk to the peasants. Little girls don't read about history or philosophy. That's very unladylike, folks. And, you know, obviously there was no point for her to do these unladylike things because, as her mother would tell her, there's no place for women in education, especially upper education. Why why the hell are you doing this shit, little girl? Come on now. And, you know, in 1893, she married her cousin. Vladimir Colin die and slightly proved her mother correct, even though she would leave him in 1898 to study economics in Zurich. That's kind of fun going to Zurich. Nice, pleasant mountain place. It's like wonderful. And like so many of these Eastern Europeans, these beautiful Germanic mountains would be the land of complete radicalization for Alexandria. It was here that she would take interest in workers' movements, uh, meet other major players of European Marxism, become a Marxist. Like, beautiful place for radicalization. Alexandra would bounce back and forth from Central Europe and Russia for eh, the next decade, participating, viewing the Bloody Sunday Revolt in 1905, which is a whole fun failed like left-wing revolt that happened against the Tsar. And mostly, though, she would spend the next these years studying or working. It would be in 1908, though, that she would publish a paper advocating for revolt and independence in Finland from the Russian czar. And these little papers were what would finally have Alexandra sent to permanent exile from the empire. Like no takesy backsies. You don't get to come here no more. Go away. Get the hell out. Which I've always like found interesting. That was the Russian tactic. Not to murder people, because that would be the like the British would just murder you probably. If you were advocating for like the Irish or the Welsh to revolt, the British would probably just be like, We have to hang him, mate. He, that guy has to be hung. That lady, the scaffolds. And that became an Australian shithead quickly. I was thinking more New Zealand, but okay. it, it was bad. 
I and usually me making fun of the, those kind of people is me like making fun of Stephen Adams's voice. So yeah, New Zealand is probably more accurate. But I think it's weird. I mean, the Brit- the Russians were just like, nah, nah. You just get out of here. And never come back. We're not going to kill you. We just don't want to see you anymore. We'll we'll, we'll go on though. Uh, we'll go back to Alex. I think we'll call her Alex. We could call her that. We're close enough at this point. I read enough. She would bum around Europe, primarily staying in Norway, until the Tsar's abdication in 1917. Kolontai ended up being the most influential woman in the early Soviet Union after this period. She comes back, like so many other assholes from Western Europe to Russia. She becomes a close ally of Lenin and becomes a member of the Central Committee. And this goes on for a few years well and dandy until she starts to get a lot of critics and starts to get clamped down on her speech. She became a lifelong thorn in the side of the Soviet leadership. And by 1912, she just broke down and asked the newly in charge Stalin, or newly about to be in charge Stalin maybe, to just go abroad and be a diplomat. Just just send me away. And Solomon was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get rid of this lady. This is a problem. And he sent her straight to fucking Norway. And she stayed in Norway until she retired, like, in 1945. So this woman spent the bulk of her life being a diplomat in Norway. Kind of cool, but it unfortunately began the beginning of her disillusionment and withdrawal from activism within the Soviet Union. And Stalin would probably, it was probably just Stalin, just broke her need to oh, do activism for women. And she would spend most of her time and energy after that dealing with just diplomatic issues. And a fun, interesting thing is that after her retirement, she died in 1952. It's a nice long life. You go, That's a pretty good retirement. Like, I would take almost 10 years of being retired. That would be fun. I don't think that'll happen in America, but retirement's not going to be a thing for us. That's cool. But when she went in 1952, she was one of the last Bolsheviks. It looks like there were maybe like two or three other Bolsheviks who made it into the 50s. I literally think it's like another minister and Stalin. That might be it. (laughs) And next we're going to be talking about Inessa Armand. Uh, she was born in Paris uh, to a comedian mother and an opera singer father, which, I mean, that's pretty cool, like, parental jobs right there. Like, you know, gotta have a great sense of humor, I feel like. Pretty good uh, pedigree. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, great for politics. So her father died when she was five. Uh, so she was then shipped off to Moscow to live with an aunt and her grandmother. Uh, at 19, she would go on to marry a wealthy textile bourgeoisie, only to leave him a few years later for his more leftist younger brother in 1902. Which, I mean, whomst among us has that not happened to? Like, let's be real here. Hey, just leave him for the there. More attractive, like more politically active, you know, sibling. That's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, it makes family reunions probably pretty interesting. Just a little I, spicy. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna make Thanksgiving a little more. It's just gonna pop a little better. Yeah, 
Exactly. Uh, this would lead her down a path to exile. Uh, in 1907, she was shipped off to Mizen, which is a tiny town in the Arctic Circle, uh, and her charge was distribution of propaganda, uh, which, again, that's that's how you get rid of uh, political opponents. You just ship them off. So Anessa escaped Russia for the warmer and safer Paris uh, by the end of 1908. Uh, until the fall of the Tsar, she would spend much of you know her time and energy creating a network of Russian leftists, uh, and speaking out against military tensions or, you know, the war that was currently going on. Uh, Armand, unlike uh, Kolontai, did not return to Russia until after the October Revolution, uh, but she still became the first director of the Zone... Oh, my God. Uh, this is the third time I've, I've had to pronounce it, and I fucked it up oh, each time. It's a difficult word. Like, no yeah. one's going to shit on you for that. Russian's hard. Yeah. So. um a little little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, Toasty producer's husband uh, has some knowledge on this subject. Turns out we've been pre- I've been it's been me. Have just oh, been, it's been me too. Okay, good. Uh, apparently, it was pronounced Genodil, uh, which I'm still probably going to butcher because I don't speak Russian. Uh, but anyway, back to Armand. Uh, so yeah, she became the first, you know, director that Juno Dill, uh, despite her lack of reverend, oh my god, uh, she became the first director of the Juno Dill, despite her lack of rev- revolutionary credentials. Uh, one of one of her biggest achievements in the Juno Dill was the creation of mass cantinas uh, and mothers' centers. Uh, in September of 1920, Lenin convinced her to go to the Caucasus. Uh, just on holiday, you know, as one does. But uh, unfortunately, uh, she, you know, caught cholera, uh, and she died of that uh, at the end of the month of when she got infected. Uh, it seems that Lennon knew this was dangerous. Uh, it seems like she, he, you know, she did as well. Uh, yet due to this very intense, you know, previous relationship, uh, which may or may not have been sexual between 1911 and 1914, Lennon had Inessa's complete trust. Uh, we have no idea why he might have, you know, sent her to her death, uh, and even, in fact, to this day, much of Armand's life and information is sealed away in Russian archives, which, again, that's what the state does. They just, they will erase you if need be. It's really weird, isn't it, like, that the Russians are still like having things from the soviet era like especially the beginning of the soviet era sealed away like i i don't understand why you would do that like it was really annoying and like fascinating the fact that this weird woman has shit sealed away in russian archives and they're just like no you can't see it there pal like i don't i don't get it like i mean it's kind of i feel like remnants of a totalitarian state like of course you gotta suppress information. Like, why the fuck wouldn't you? I mean, I mean, I guess, but, like, I can't think of any, like, benefit from it. Unless it's, like, a thing where, um, you know, God Emperor Vladimir doesn't want to upset the old folks who are longing for the Soviet Union. That's the only thing I can think of, is, like, he doesn't want to upset them by being like, but Lenin did a thing. He had an affair with this lady. Because I don't know why you would, like, just wipe put away this woman's files from 19 fucking 17 yeah i mean 
It makes no sense. Oh, well, now moving yeah. on. <laughs> we're we're going to move on to our last, like, quick revolutionary skim. And we're going to look at a completely different revolutionary woman by the name of Fanny Kaplan. Fanny, she's really interesting here, com- especially in the light of comparing the other ones. We don't know much about her, like at all. Um, we know that she was a Jewish woman who was heavily involved with the Socialist Revolutionaries Party. And that's, I think she might have been a Miller, is what it sounds, but I got, I got conflicted things from different sources, so she might not have been a Miller. But we know, we do know for sure that by 16, Kaplan was arrested in Kiev while working with a terrorist cell and crafting bombs to kill a local czarist elite, like, governmental figure. So that's kind of fun. And this would land, though, Fanny, in a lifelong sentence to hard labor camps in Siberia. I think she went to two of them. And I know that in these camps that her one of the camps was a dangerous mining camp and it permanently damaged her vision for a while. She had very spotty, like almost blind vision, but it kind of came back, but she was still partially, she was vision impaired for her whole life. And it wasn't in a normal vision impaired way. This occurred though, in 1906, her getting sentenced and sent to prison. Fanny would stay in these prison systems until March 3rd of 1917. She was released from prison due to the Bolshevik Revolution, and they just basically emptied the prisons of political prisoners. So if you went to prison for doing some weird semi-terroristic thing, okay, that's okay. That was against the Tsar, not against us. You won't cause a problem. No big deal. So in her mind, after these actions... Lenin and his whole lot, they were traitors of the revolution. Just fucking traitors. And on August 30th of 1918, Lenin would be speaking at an arms factory on the south side of Moscow. I believe it was called the Hammer and Sickle, which is kind of fun. Kind of fun. Like, that's a bit on the nose there. Let's name a arms factory the Hammer and Sickle. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know... Have some mystery in it, you know, like, you know, naming a bar Puzzles, and the puzzle is, why is the bar named Puzzles? That's a great mystery. I, I don't know who could have wrote that or thought of that, sir. <laughs> no, me neither. I mean, definitely not, like, a TV show. And yeah, it definitely wasn't from the mid-2000s and had a terrible ending. As Lennon was leaving the arms factory, which we think was Hammer and Sickle, which, pretty fun, even if on the nose name, Kaplan called out to him and called out enough to him that it grabbed his attention and he looked back. And as he was turning to look around and see who the fuck's yelling at me, come on, geez. Fanny unloaded three pistol shots at him. The first one missed. Um, Apparently it went through his coat out the back like he was some sort of supernatural Jesus with bullets. It's kind of fun. The second connected, though, in his neck. It lodged in like one of his shoulders and punctured a lung. The third didn't hit any major artery and lodged in his other shoulder. So that's kind of fun. Um, Lennon's been shot now. Um, What is that? So that makes him basically the communist 50 cent. Is that how this works? 
Like, I mean, it's only two times and not, what is it, nine times? Lennon survived these attacks, but his health was permanently fucked after this incident. Um, a lot of historians actually cite this incident as the reason for Lennon's inevitable strokes and death that occurred in 1924. So that's kind of fun. Kudos to you, Fanny. Killed the Barry, famous man. Indirectly. Good on you, I guess. Fanny, though, was quickly arrested and inter- interrogated. She refused to rat out anyone that might have been involved and gave a final statement, and I will quote it as, My name is Fanny Coplin. Today, I shot Lenin. I did it on my own. I will not say from whom I obtained my revolver. I will give no details. I had resolved to kill Lenin long ago. I considered him a traitor to the revolution. I was exiled to a gaitui, word I cannot say, for participating in the assassination attempt against the Tsarist official in Kiev. I spent 11 years at hard labor. After the revolution, I was freed. I favored the constituent assembly, and I am still for it. So yeah, I felt like I had to do that in a stupid accent. I'm sorry, public. I'm also sorry, my two lovely working gentlemen. Like You all had to be witness to that. It could have been worse, but not much. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could have been worse. It wasn't as offensive as it could have been, and that's good. Making fun of other white people is always funny. I will die on this hill. I mean, that's fair. Like, us white people don't deserve rights. We deserve to be made fun of, though. Tread on me harder, Daddy. For this assassination attempt, the Bolsheviks reinstated the death penalty. So that's already kind of like, whoa, Fanny, you're making waves here. And on the 3rd of September of 1918... 28-year-old Fanny Kaplan, a partially blind former prisoner who chronically suffered headaches, was unceremoniously drugged out of her cell and taken to a Moscow park and shot in the back of the fucking head. And much like what we would do with Osama bin Laden, her body wasn't properly, properly laid to rest but stuffed into a barrel and burnt to ashes. They apparently just put her in a barrel and fucking incinerated the shit out of it in the middle of the park. Fuck, Eastern Europeans are hard. Like, holy fuck, they do some awful, gruesome shit. And that has to be on the list of awful, gruesome shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at least she was already dead to where she wasn't like alive when they stuffed her in a barrel and set it on fire. Like, I mean, true. True. That is true. The Bolsheviks and the Soviets after the Bolsheviks were all pretty big on just putting a bullet in you and then doing something terrible to your body. But it's still pretty fucking bleak and horrid. Like, imagine, like, yeah, some like fucking. Weird authoritarians dragging, like, someone in New York City and throwing them in a barrel, shooting them, putting their body in a barrel and burning them in Central Park. That is essentially, I think, what happened here. I mean, isn't that what Chris Matthews thought was Bernie was going to do to him? 
I don't know. I don't get that reference. Okay, it was one of the primaries, and it was bad. <laughs> Fair. The Polish like student doesn't get the reference. I'm pretty sure Chris Matthews cried on MSNBC about how Bur- people like Bernie were going to, like, wanted to shoot and guillotine people, him in Central Park. Oh. Like, he literally right. cried. It was fucking pathetic. You're a grown-ass man. Um, let's, let's, that, that's been our whole look. Our quick skimming of, like, women in the Russian Revolution. Checked out, um, you know, three women and their bios. And we can look at it as one was executed. That's fun. One died of a horrible disease. That's kind of fun, too. A bit, you know, a bit too much like now. Horrible diseases. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> and, you know, one got to be old and live a nice life. But um, she was morally defeated by life. You know, just... This is normal Slavic shit. This is just like Eastern European in a nutshell. Like it's fun, right? Like yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like reading Russian literature. <laughs> I mean, art does imitate life, <laughs> and it's all depressing. It's depression all the way down over in Eastern Europe. Yeah, the fucking sad train has finally reached the station. True, true. I really need to get that horn. I'm going to get that. And then just occasionally you guys are just going to hear just on the pod in the middle of just train noises. And everyone's going to be mad. Edit that shit out. I will edit that shit out so you will not have to hear that. But anyway, we should uh, finish this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can, uh, I guess, find me at Whiskey is a Devil at Twitter. That's kind of fun. Um, and I've been broadcasting from unseated... Kiowa and I believe Wichita lands. So also kind of fun, but not really. And you, sir? First off, I feel like you're watering down the word fun uh, a bit. Because uh, this is not fun. This is this has definitely been not fun. Um, but maybe you were ironically using it. Uh, anyway, I have been bravo. Um, it's always irony. If I could put if I had glasses, I would push them up and be like, of course, it was irony. But I don't have those. I have great you vision. Should you should get glasses. Uh, you'll probably need them when you're older. It's fine. I definitely uh, will. But anyway, I've been Bravo, and you can find me on Twitter at not Bravo Delta. You can find the show on Twitter at Yo What the Hell Pod. Uh, you can email us at Yo What the Hell Pod at gmail.com. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what we're doing. Uh, it'd be greatly appreciated. And I've been recording from Sioux, Arapahoe, Cheyenne, and Uteland up here in Denver. And I think that is it, folks. This has been an episode of Yo, What the Hell? Via con Dios. Ciao. After she was released from prison, Kaplan became quickly disillusioned by Lenin and the Bolshevik leadership, though. So maybe this is going to be a bigger deal, guys. The final straw for her was the combination of dissolving the Constitute Assembly and the 1918 banning of most political parties, including her own. Um, she just didn't think it was right. She The way she, that I read into it, Fanny saw it as the Bolsheviks were going and stomping out every other 
version of left-wing politics and it wasn't right it was wrong how could they build something together if they were doing that 